chapter 9, starting at verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the, king, the kingdom of God. Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Michael, and I'm the pastor here at Chapel Hill. And we're currently in a topical series called Finding More to find out how we can find more and greater satisfaction, identity, meaning, and hope in Jesus. And today we're going to look at how we can find our identity that won't crush you. And so the key question around identity is, who am I? And how you answer that question depends on the type of family that you grew up in. And I think there are generally two types of family. You either grew up in a family that told you, you are who you want to be. Or you grew up in a family that told you, you are who I tell you to be. And if you grew up in a family that told you, you are who I tell you to be, then you really got two options. You can be either a doctor or a lawyer. And if you didn't quite get the marks, if you didn't really make the cut, then your parents would be okay if you are to be a dentist. Um, that, they would be happy and approve of you to be a dentist as third place. Um, anything else would absolutely bring shame and embarrassment to the family. Is that you? Uh, do we have any dentists here at church today? Uh, well, if that's you, then we could say that you grew up in a traditional approach to identity formation, that your identity is determined by your family and community. And this is quite common in perhaps Asian and Eastern families. But you do find it in Anglo and Western families like generational farmers. Some farms expect their children to continue to run the farm. Or families who have a long tradition of attending certain schools or maintaining a certain social status. But if you grew up in a family who promoted you to have the freedom to determine your own identity, then we can say that you grew up in a modern approach to identity formation that your identity is determined by your own desires. But whether you take the modern approach or the traditional approach, 
Many people these days are very insecure about themselves. Those in traditional families are fearful of not meeting their family's expectations. And yet those in modern families are fearful for not meeting their own expectations of who they want to be. So is it possible to get a secure sense of identity? Is it what I say I am or what others say I am? German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a poem titled, Who Am I? And it really captures the predicament really well as he wrestles with his own personal identity. So here are a few lines from his poem. He says, am I then really all that which other men tell of me? Or am I only what I myself know of myself? Restless and longing and sick, like a bird in a cage, struggling for struggle for break as though hands were compressing on my throat who am i this or the other am i one person today and tomorrow another am i both at once a hypocrite before others and before myself a contemptibly woe-gone weakling who i really am you know me i am yours O god So in today's talk, we're going to go examine whether our identity is determined by our own perceptions or by other people's perceptions. And as the final line of the poem eludes, we're going to consider how God's perceptions of ourselves can end our search for a stable and satisfying sense of self. And just as Dietrich Bonhoeffer had found. And we're going to do this by first looking at the traditional approach to identity, Then we're going to look at the modern approach to identity. And finally, we're going to consider how the Christian approach to identity can be more stable and satisfying. But before we begin, it will be really helpful to define what identity is. Identity consists of at least two main things. First, it consists of a sense of self that is stable. As you know, we live with many hats. We're a family member at home. We're a colleague at work, we're a friend in different social circles, and sometimes we're just alone by ourselves. And so to have an identity is to have a sense of self that is stable and consistent, that is true of you in every kind of setting. Secondly, identity consists of a sense of significance, a sense of yourself that makes you feel good about yourself, a sense that you are significant, So identity is a sense of self and a sense of significance. Identity is a sense of self and a sense of significance. So let's see how this is worked out in the traditional approach. The traditional approach is finding one's identity outwardly in a role within a family or community. It's finding one's identity outwardly in a role within a family or community. With the traditional approach, your sense of self is in your role and a sense of significance is in your duty to your family or community. That's why in traditional cultures, if you are the firstborn child, and particularly if you are the firstborn son, it actually holds a specific role in your family. And there's generally expectations that the eldest child will dutifully support the livelihood of the family. So that's why you see in traditional cultures, children are encouraged to pursue those higher paying jobs 
over those passion jobs. You know, those passion jobs that you might really like, but pay really less. Because your significance is found in being able to dutifully help the whole family. And so the traditional approach is finding your identity in your dependence and attachment to your family or community. And it usually means a level of self-denial for the sake of the family or community. So if you've seen the recent movie, Crazy Rich Asians, who's seen that? Well, if you've seen it, you would have met the movie's tiger mom, Eleanor. And there is one scene where Eleanor has a real dig at Rachel, who's dating her son, by saying, we know to put family first before our passion. This was a not-so-subtle critique of Rachel's American westernized culture that values independence of pursuing one's dream. It was a warning for Rachel to not get in the way of her son's duty of maintaining his commitment to the family business and maintaining his family name. As you might be able to sense and see, there are two main problems with the traditional approach to identity formation. Firstly, it can be suffocating. Secondly, it is insecure. A common experience for those in traditional cultures is that it can be very suffocating. It can feel like you're held captive to what your family or community tells you what you must do. You can lose your sense of individuality when family and community takes precedence over the individual. It can lead to feeling like you're being used, feeling like you're more of a slave to the family than a beloved son or daughter. It can lead to, perhaps, oppression. You could even say, sometimes it just feels like you're held captive and enslaved to your family. Secondly, it's insecure. If your identity is based on your role in your family and your sense of significance is based on meeting your duty, then if you can't meet your duty, if you don't meet your parents' expectations, if you disappoint them, then you lose your significance in your identity because you're not meeting those standards. And so if the traditional approach to identity is suffocating and it's insecure, then it would seem then perhaps the modern approach to identity would be better. This is the modern approach. The modern approach is finding your identity inwardly in your desires. So with your modern approach, your sense of self is in your desires and your sense of significance is in the achievement of those desires. So in the traditional approach, you find your identity in your dependence and attachment to your family and community. The modern approach is the complete opposite. Identity is found in your independence, in your detachment to your family and community to look inside of ourselves and to make our own choices and determine who we are for ourselves without others forcing an identity upon us. So for the traditional approach, it means self-denial for the sake of family and community. With the modern approach, it means self-assertion in spite of family and community. That's why in modern cultures, children are encouraged to move out of home as soon as possible, to find their own way, find their own feet, find their own path. 
You know, breaking the shackles of family is seen as success. And if you're still living at home, that is seen as absolute failure. So just be you. You can summarize the modern approach as just be you. That is our Western culture's message. Don't try to get affirmation from others. Just affirm yourself because you are doing what you want to do. The modern approach identity is often called expressive individualism. And this was coined by Robert Bella and his sociologist colleagues. This message of expressive individualism is saturated everywhere. It's in our advertising, it's in our music, it's in our personal development books, it's in our movies. So one example is Disney's animated movie, Frozen. Elsa is one of the main characters sings, it's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. And so our Western cultures tell us identity is found not by self-giving to something outside, but through self-expression of something inside. So before I offer a critique of the modern approach to identity, I do want to acknowledge some positives. In the past, many were locked into a given social status in very extremely hierarchical societies where the poor are trapped and they stay poor and is believed that that is their place in society. So you can see this in the Indian caste system. But modern India has changed for the good. And since the 1950s, when India achieved independence, India enacted many laws and social initiatives to protect and improve the social economic conditions of its lower castes. And discrimination against lower castes is now illegal under their independent constitution. It has been argued that India has implemented these changes in their embrace of individualistic values of personal freedom and equality from the West. So we must give credit when credit is due. The modern approach to identity is something that we can be grateful for, for the good of modern individualism and what that is brought to human and civil rights. However, many commentators and sociologists and psychologists are talking about how individualism has gone to a now a place where it has been eroding community. Charles Taylor in the secular age writes this, says, communities are eroding, families, neighbors, and societies. People are less willing to do their bit to participate. They are less trusting of others. Indeed, they are less trusting of any authority and institution of any kind. So in the past, traditional cultures, you make money, you had sex to build community. In our culture today, you make money, you have sex to find an identity. You see how it's completely different. In the past, you made money, you had sex to build community. In our culture now, we make money and we have sex to express ourselves, to find an identity. But I'm not gonna go down the direction of looking how individualism harms community. I'm gonna examine how modern expressive individualism is not gonna work for you personally. So I'm gonna be individualistic for the rest of this talk. I'm gonna have the modern mindset and I'm gonna show you how there are three problems why the modern approach won't work for you as an individual. 
So firstly, it's unstable. Secondly, it's crushing. And thirdly, it's an illusion. The modern approach that looks to our own desires for identity is unstable because our desires are constantly changing. So Lewis Smead, a Christian author, once said, my wife has been married to five men. All of them have been me. My wife has been married to five men and all of them were me. So if you've been experienced and married long enough, you'll experience that your spouse changes over time. Their passions, their desires, their interests changes over time. But if you're not married, you can just look back to where you were in high school or back when you are in your early 20s. And you can see that perhaps some of your interests, your passions and desires and who you were just were different. And see, these changing interests, changing desires, they can't give you a stable basis for your identity. You need to have a sense of self that is stable, consistent in all of your different social circles and in all of your different stages of life. Secondly, the modern approach is crushing. Even though the traditional approach was suffocating, but it was simple. Because all you had to do is just obey and listen to what your parents wanted you to be. It was quite simple. It was just quite sufficient to be just a good son, a good daughter, and just be diligent in your duties. But the modern approach has a lot of pressure that says you have to have a dream. You have to decide who you want to be. You have to then go and achieve it. And if you can't achieve it, then you can't be you. In our culture, it's not good enough anymore to just be good and faithful. No, we have to be successful in achieving who we want to be. And all this puts a a lot of pressure. It puts a lot of anxiety beyond what previous generations have never, ever experienced. So to be just you, it is a crushing burden. And thirdly, the idea that you can choose who you want to be is actually an illusion. Let me explain. Because we have changing feelings and changing desires, we actually have to decide and choose which feelings and which desires we want to base our identity on. And so the way you choose some desires and not others does not mean that you do that in complete independence. So let me give you an illustration. It's from Tim Keller. And he gives a really good explanation of how this works. He says, imagine 1,200 years ago, an Anglo-Saxon warrior walking in the streets of Scotland in 800 AD. He looks into his heart and he sees some very deep feelings. One of them is aggression. He just loves smashing people. And he looks at this aggressive impulse and he says to himself, that is me. I'm going to express that. His culture affirms that he's a culture that honours a warrior ethic. His culture honours strength. On the other hand, he sees another feeling. And this would have happened uh, 1,200 years ago. He looks inside himself and he sees same-sex attraction. What is he going to say? He says, that is not me. Now, A young man is walking down the streets of Manhattan. He looks into his heart. He sees aggression. He just wants to smash people. What does he say? I need anger management. He looks into his heart and he sees same-sex attraction. What is he going to say? 
that's me. What this illustration shows is that we are not just looking into our hearts and being ourselves. We actually live with a cultural grid, a morally charged, a value-laden grid that we lay down on our hearts to judge which things are you and which things are not you. So in reality, we are not really expressing ourselves. We are just being what our culture wants you to be. Which means that the modern approach doesn't give us more freedom to the traditional approach. In the traditional approach, perhaps you might feel like you're captive by your family. In the modern approach, perhaps you actually are held captive by your culture. So instead of seeking the praise, affirmation, approval from our family, we now seek the praise, affirmation, approval from our culture in the chosen, chosen arenas of where we are trying to seek achievement. There was this article by the MIT Technology Review. It's a scientific study on the so-called hipster effect. I don't know if you heard about the hipster effect. A study shows that why anti-conformists, so we, the article says, look, you know, hipsters, they're anti-conformity, they don't want to be with the mainstream, and it shows that those who are anti-conformists, who want to go against the mainstream, they end up looking the same. And so the article says, you want to make a statement that you're not part of the mainstream culture. You think about wearing different clothes, experimenting with a new hairstyle, or even trying unconventional makeup and grooming products. And yet, when you finally reveal your new look to the world, it turns out you're not alone. Millions of other people have made exactly the same choice. Now, here's the even more funny thing about this article. When the MIT magazine, they chose to use this image. This is a stock image from Getty. And there was one man who'd read this article, and he actually threatened to sue the magazine for using his image. And we kind of think he's probably unhappy because he probably didn't want to be identified as a hipster. It turns out that this photo was a different, completely different guy. This angry reader didn't want to be identified as a hipster, but he looks exactly like a hipster. And so he proved the article and the scientific research to be true. It's an illusion to think that you are completely free to be who you want to be, completely individual, Instead, you're actually no longer conforming to family, you're just conforming to your culture, even when we think we're just being our own individual. So even though modern people claim to be validating themselves, the reality is that they are always socializing themselves into new community of peers, of cheerleaders, of people whose approval they crave. So what modern people have done is traded words of affirmation from their families and traded that for likes from strangers whom they seek to follow. So let's summarize. Let's summarize the difference between the traditional and modern approach. The traditional approach, identity is found in our dependence on family and community through a sense of self in our role within the family or community and our sense of significance is in our duty to our family or community. With the modern approach, identity is found in your independence to your family or community, through a sense of self in your desires, and a sense of significance in your achievement of your desires. The problem with identity based on duty 
it's suffocating. The problem with identity based on achievement, it's crushing. But you might have noticed that there is one similarity with both approaches, even though they are complete opposites. The one similarity to both approaches is that identity is determined by another. In the traditional approach, it's determined by your family or community. In the modern approach, it's determined by your culture or peers. Therefore, the key to identity is not asking the question, who am I? But asking the question, whose am I? It's not who am I, it's whose am I? We are inherently social, relational beings. We cannot ascribe significance onto ourselves. We need someone from outside to say that we are significant and of great worth. And we need someone who is greater and more significant who tells us that we are great and significant. And only through that greater person can we have a greater sense of significance and worth. So it's like the difference when I tell Luke that he's a great basketball player compared to when James LeBron says that Luke is a great basketball player. Luke has a greater sense of self and significance if James LeBron chooses Luke to play on his team compared to when I choose Luke to play on my team. This is the key. We only have high self-esteem when we are esteemed by someone who we esteem highly. Do you get that? We only have high self-esteem when we are esteemed by someone who we esteem highly. We have a great sense of self and significance when we belong to someone who is greater and significant. Someone who we are in absolute awe of. Only that person can give us a greater sense of self and significance. So the question is, who can I belong to that is great, that is awesome, who can instill a great sense of self and significance that won't suffocate us, that won't crush us? So let's now consider the Christian approach to identity. The Christian approach is finding one's identity outwardly in Jesus. And in the passage that was read out, we read about Peter, a disciple of Jesus, who finally recognizes the true identity of Jesus. That Jesus is not an ordinary man. He's not just an ordinary human prophet. Verse 20, he says, Jesus says to him, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus as God's Messiah tells us two aspects about his identity. Firstly, He's the son of God. And secondly, he's the chosen by God to be his servant. We see that even for Jesus, look at this, even for Jesus, his identity was given. He didn't define himself as the son of God. He didn't choose himself to be the Messiah. It was given by God. It was identity that he received. A son of God who was chosen and called to be the Messiah, the saver, and is the greatest identity that Jesus could ever receive. He's the son of the God who is the most high, the almighty, and he was chosen by God to be on God's team, to be the servant king, to rule for his people. But Jesus didn't rule and serve his people through military power like other kings of his time. 
Jesus says this in verse 22, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. Jesus serves and saves his people by dying on the cross for us. Jesus, who had the greatest honor, the greatest glory as the Son of God, gave it all away in order to save us from our rejection of God to find an identity for ourselves without God. And as a result of Jesus' own self-denial, self-sacrifice, God raised him to a life in greater glory, in greater honor than ever before. If we have faith in Jesus and to follow his way of service to God and others, we can receive his great identity. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are reconciled to God and we are called sons of God. When we put our faith in Jesus, the chosen one, he chooses us to be on his team to serve with him and for him. And that's why Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves Take up the cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will save it. The Greek word that is translated as life is psyche. It's the word that we get with psychology. Psyche means your soul, your inner self. In other words, it can mean your identity. Jesus is saying that if you try to find your own identity, you will lose it. If you try to find your own identity based on duty and achievement, you will lose your identity when you fail in your duties and when you fail in trying to achieve things for yourself. Only when we humble ourselves and when we give up our self-assertion and self-determination to find our own identity and follow Jesus, will we ever find a greater identity in Jesus. To be called and named the children of God, to be chosen by God to serve him and others. Only when we stop to try to find and serve ourselves instead of giving up ourselves in service to God and others, as we put our faith in Jesus, do we find our greater selves. And this identity can be yours by grace through faith in Jesus. Jesus chooses us to belong to him, not because we've been faithful in our duties to love and serve God, not because we achieved to be a good person, before God. No, God chooses us because of his mercy and grace. That whilst we have been unfaithful and whilst we've been failures, Jesus chooses us to belong to him because of his love and mercy for us. And when we believe that Jesus chooses us because of his love and grace, then we will find a sense of self in Jesus' identity, that he's the son of the most high, a sense of significance in Jesus' faithful duty and victorious achievement to save us. In Jesus, we have a great and stable identity because my identity as a beloved child of God, your identity as the son and daughter of God is not based on your duty or achievement, but it's completely based on Jesus' duty and his achievement. When you have an identity that cannot be taken away from you, an identity that unfaithfulness and failure can't take away from you, then it truly, truly frees you. You're free to love and serve your family, even when they disprove of you, even when they look down on you, 
because your need for affirmation and approval is already met in God's affirmation and approval of you in Jesus. You are free to pursue your passions or not. You're free to change your careers or not. You're free to succeed or just be faithful and good. Because those things, when you don't succeed, when you're just good, when you don't change your career, when you're not pursuing your passions, you're not all of a sudden having this massive existential crisis. Because your interests, your careers, your success or not, they're just good things. They're not your identity. You no longer need those things, those things to make you feel significant and worthy. You can be free from using those things to find your identity. Instead, you can use those things to freely serve others. Only in Jesus can you find an identity that frees you from the captivity of your family and the captivity of your culture. That is the greater identity that one can receive freely through faith. There is nothing that you need to achieve you simply receive it by believing in Jesus' duty and achievement to save you on the cross. If you have more questions, if you want to know more about Jesus, then come along to the Explore course that starts next Sunday, right after the service. It's the best way to explore who Jesus is, and it's the best way to find the fullness and identity that he offers you. It's not a classroom, it's a conversation. You can ask as many questions as you like. But if you're struggling to sense and feel your identity in Christ, if you feel unworthy because you're not achieving more compared to your colleagues, if you're feeling unworthy because you're not feeling affirmed and validated by your family, then what you need to do is go back to the cross of Jesus. When those voices near to you or the voices in the culture tell you that you are not good enough, you are not beautiful enough, you are not smart enough, you are not this, you are not that, at the cross of Jesus, God tells you that you are my child. God tells you, you are my love. God tells you, you are my joy. God tells you, you are my beautiful creation. God tells you, you are worthy. And God doesn't say this with empty words. He shows you how worthy and significant you are to him because he sent his son Jesus to die for you. The immeasurable cost that Jesus bore shows to you how much, how far God is willing to go to choose you and say that you are his. The preciousness to God, your preciousness to God is shown by the costliness of Jesus' self-sacrifice for you. Jesus gave up his status, his reputation, to give you a great status and reputation. So to overcome those days that you are just struggling, where you just don't believe who you are in Christ, you need to go back to the cross. You need to not to believe that in your mind, you need to let it cultivate and change your heart. Regularly through worship, through active thinking, through applying truth in the moment, so that your identity in Christ is in the foreground of who you see yourself to be. You need to let your heart and mind be captivated by Jesus or you will be held captive by your culture and by others. Our identity is made for more and we find it in Jesus.
Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, help us to not find our own identity for we will lose it. Help us to give up our search for identity so we can find our self and significance in Jesus. To receive our identity based not on our duty and achievement, but on Jesus' duty and achievement to make us a child of God, heir to the Most High, to be praised by the Most Praiseworthy, to be His forever and have an unshakable identity that is forever ours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.